0: This episode of the Out of podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com.
1: Draw and getting out, capitalizing in these little windows to get the best skiing possible and catch some beautiful moments in the mountains. It's It hasn't changed, and that's like... Hello,
0: hello, hello. My name is Adam, and that was Andrew Drummond. Um, as many of you know, Andrew Drummond is a recurring guest on the show and he's one of my favorite people to talk to of all time. Uh, He owns a ski shop in the White Mountains called White Mountain Ski Company, um, and they do all kinds of things like, for example, sell skis, sell bikes, sell running gear, and they also do events. One of which is coming up next Friday at Last Gear Standing at Black Mountain of Maine, and it is going to be the ultimate version of a Sufferfest. So i'm very excited to bring you this one we also touch on quite a few different things including the growth of the backcountry skiing segment in new england and the name change uh the name change that everybody wanted to hear about we kind of get into it a little bit and talk about what happened and why ski the whites is now white mountain ski co and what's in a name and all that good stuff so i Really, really appreciate Andrew for coming on and talking about that. I really appreciate him as a guest and as an event coordinator and as a member of this community. The dude does so much for everybody. And I, like I said in the episode, I have no idea how he has the energy to keep doing what he does on a daily basis and still have the passion for the sport that he does because it is pretty unrivaled. Like the guy gets after it. Um, And if you know ski shop owners at all, it makes it very difficult to get out. When you are a ski shop owner, um, and never mind doing events, never mind doing some media stuff, never mind uh, like all of the things that Andrew does. So, very excited to share this one with you all. Um, before we get into today's episode, we have a couple of sponsors for today. One of which is Aspen Snowmass. Aspen Snowmass has the best and most skiing. In all of Colorado, there is a ton of open acreage that you can ski without feeling like you're being bombarded by crowds. The terrain is incredible. The snow is incredible. And Aspen offers an experience that you will never be able to get anywhere else. So go ski Aspen Snowmass. Go to gosnowmass.com. Get yourself out there right now. There's plenty of last-minute options to fly right into the Aspen Airport. So go do that. Go do that like immediately, like as soon as you possibly can. Next, we have our friends at Sweet Protection. Sweet Protection makes the safest, safest safety equipment, whether it is a helmet, a pair of goggles, or any other type of protection gear. Sweet Protection has you covered, so you can go to SweetProtection.com to get yourself a new lid, a new pair of goggles. I got to tell you, the goggles were the thing that I wasn't, like... I was like, okay, goggles, cool, whatever. No, they're like, they're awesome. They're really, really good. The lens quality is incredible. The color options are great. And most of all, the range of vision is pretty unmatched. So check out in particular the Connor goggle, but you can check out any of the sweet protection goggles and know that you're getting a super high quality product. And obviously if you need a new lid, there is no other place to go other than sweet protection. So. Be sure to check them out as soon as you can at sweetprotection.com. And without too much further ado, like I said, too much further ado, we are ready to jump into this episode. I'd like to thank everybody for sticking along with this pod. Um, we are kind of entering a new chapter here, where we uh, where we're taking some, we're making some changes, and we're we're making things hopefully a little bit better for the listening experience hopefully a little bit better for everybody's general podcast consuming experience in general. Um, like I, I just said general twice for no reason. Like I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be better. And I said general twice in the same sentence. So anyway, without further ado, here's my friend and yours, Andrew Drummond. Andrew, for the 15th time, why don't you tell people... Uh, who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can take it on from there.
1: Yeah, cool. Thanks, Adam. Uh, my name's Andrew Drummond. I am a backcountry skier up here in Jackson, New Hampshire. I have a ski shop, White Mountain Ski Co., formerly Ski the Whites. I'm sure we'll talk about that. We, uh, we do a lot of backcountry rental services, events, retail, and then a roast coffee in the summertime. We, we do a lot of bike stuff trail running, hiking. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's
0: it. It's kind of the bit. Um, so a lot of those things I want to talk to you about, one of which is coffee. And I think maybe we'll leave that for last because that's more of a, I have a lot of personal questions about the coffee side of things than, uh, than anything else, but what backcountry as a sport has grown substantially, it feels like over the last, I don't know, decade, like since I've known you, it feels like it has just blown up. And I feel like in New England in particular, you have a lot to do with that, whether you want to admit it or not. So I'm curious to see what you think of the entire backcountry scene. Do you see growth in your businesses, you know, throughout that sector? Where, where is kind of like the state of backcountry skiing for the general consumer right now?
1: Mm. It's certainly changed and and grows every year and rightfully so. I think the sport itself, there's a reason why people gravitate towards it. Why I got into it is that I think it's, I always say it's, it's the best way to travel in the mountains and you're in control. You get to get up as early as you want or stay out as late as you want. Uh, you're not sort of going by the hours of the ski resort. It's pretty liberating and that's where you find some of the best snow. That's where you get some of the best experiences, um, and watching it grow was like a lot of what I've done is this right place, right time. Because at, mm-hmm. when I really started to discover backcountry skiing, where I grew up was the same time that people like Tyler Ray were starting Granite Backcountry Alliance. Um, and I was trying to, I started creating events like Friday Night Lights and the community really started to form. I'd say around that, like 2015, 2016, 2017, those string of years, it just like really seemed to explode. And uh, yeah, it's hard to say exactly what was pushing what, but it was like this giant feedback loop where the the gear was getting better. Every company started to put out some tech compatible boot or some touring specific ski. And then obviously they want to sell that, they want to push that. And that's sort of where I came in when Matt Berkowitz, a Fisher, um, reached out and he's like, you should open up an account with us. And that, that was like, all right, now I've got a job. I got to start selling skis as part of my, the very young ski, the whites. And, uh, and so here I am pushing skis, promoting backcountry skiing through photography and videos. And I'm a founding board member of Granite Backcountry Alliance, which is really just trying to get the message out about you know, there's this user group, we could use your help. We want to create skiable terrain uh, in, in some of these wooded areas and, and resurrect some of the CCC trails and yeah, create more of a community that will be this voice of the backcountry that will help get more projects approved. If you have this, you know, competent user group that's responsible and can do things appropriately. Now, all of a sudden you're widening the, the highway for, for the future growth of the sport. And that the, the level backcountry skiing is such a broad sport where it could be everyone uphilling any, anything from someone uphilling at the resort to someone skiing Mount Washington and everything in between.
0: Yeah. Is that, is the growth a good thing or a bad thing, I guess, in your mind? Like, I think there's a lot of arguments that it's a really good thing and there's arguments that it's like, okay, like the responsibility factor for people that are just getting into it now is maybe getting overlooked a little bit. But I'm curious to hear your take on, like, whether this growth over the last five, six years is actually a good thing overall for the sport. Because, like, it seemed like, especially during COVID, like, stuff blew up and everybody wanted to go touring and everybody wanted to try it. And now it's kind of leveling off a little bit. But I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that.
1: It's it's a pretty self-selecting sport where it takes energy you got to burn some calories to go and do it and I, it just feels like anyone that wants to go do it you already have this common bond that you're putting in the work to go find some skiing and just like any outdoor activity yeah it can get crowded and loved to death and we, we see that on the weekends like that's that's the time when people the majority of the workforce can get out and play and that's that's a problem that sucks it's not fun to pull up to a ski zone and just have it you not be able to find a place to park and that yeah. that's a problem and that but that's not unlike anywhere else in any other kind of outdoor activity you get a little powder hungry too when conditions you know we just we went a full month without good conditions here in the east and and that can create some tension too when people just want to get out and ski and maybe their decision making isn't as great at that point as soon as we do get some snow and that could just be in their um, the way they act and conduct themselves to, or just decision-making in the back country. But, you know, I, we, we had this concern, right, during COVID that there was going to be so much activity and such a spike in the user group and growth that we're going to see a lot more incidents. And I don't know that we've, we've necessarily seen that. I think that it'd be interesting to get the data, how, uh, the percentage of, you know, people out there recreating versus what we're seeing out there. I, and what I, what I learned was that there's just like a really healthy caution. I, I feel like for the backcountry in general, where people have numerous people have come up to me in the shop and said, Hey, I can't go up to Tucker Ravine. I don't have my education up there yet. Yeah. And, and that's cool to hear that there's people with this regard of the dangers. And I hope that mess that message, you know, unfortunately gets relayed through incidents every year. And, uh, this year is no different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, there is, there's a certain level of like natural selection that I think occurs in this sport where like you have to do a hard thing to even get to the thing that is dangerous. You know what I mean? Like you have to like actually push yourself to be able to go and skin for two hours in order to be able to ski some of these accessible lines. Like it's not as easy as like just dropping your like air dropping yourself to the top of the mountain and then getting stuck in an an avalanche like it's not like that like but there is a certain level of concern that i think people have to take and i actually think like the internet has been a really good thing for once um when it comes to this like i think people are very outspoken in terms of like taking care of themselves in the backcountry like having a baseline level of knowledge and like being cautious like i think the internet and meme pages actually have done a very good job of like pushing that envelope a little bit harder than I would have expected.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't want to end up on a meme page or in an Abbey report incident report. (laughs) And uh, it's hard though. I think the one thing, one thing I've learned is like perspective means everything and you don't, that comes with time and experiences and it's, it's hard. It's hard to figure this thing out and uh, how to, how to, what gear to get, where to go, who to go with, when to go. There's it's tricky and I made a, I've made a lot of mistakes in my in my what feels like a pretty short experience, short time backcountry skiing. I I started really in t- in 2011 but not really feel like full time until I moved back here in 2000 the winter of 2014-15 even. And uh yeah, it's definitely changed. I, I, going back to the brands again and they're just feeding off the interest and you know they're trying to capitalize on this category too but you know if if mm-hmm. you're an alpine skier which that market's still pretty big and and you ski on say laying or something and all of a sudden Lang comes out and they're they're pushing something they're pushing touring yeah. gear into your um, inbox or through media that Now it's that is that level of curiosity, but then there's like, people just want their friends to come out with them. It's a sport that's social, but also should be like responsible in terms of going out with a a partner in case something does go wrong. Uh, So you're seeing a lot of this virality where, you know, people want, people have this great experience and then bring their friends into the fold. So it's, it's no surprise that it's growing. I still don't think it's as big as people, um, think it is. I think it has a pretty good mind share versus maybe the actual participant, participation level. I know that, think about some of these schemo events that are happening, which is super niche, but it just feels like they get capped at 30 people racing. It just doesn't, you know, and that's, that's something that's been ever since say 2016, since I started paying attention to it. But it's like one of those things that hasn't like exploded to the point that, people thought it had this big trajectory, but it really feels that some of it's plateaued.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ski, like Schemo, like actual Schemo is a little different. I feel like, like, I feel like most people aren't as into the racing aspect of it. Like it's funny on road bikes, like anybody will go and put on spandex and go ride their bike around town for 20 miles for no reason at all. Right. Like that's like a normal thing. People do it every single day. I haven't yet seen somebody that is not that interested in the schemo sector go and just put on a speed suit and start running with their skis. I know, I know.
1: It's super dorky.
0: I just I it's I it's
1: very dorky. I look like, at myself. So, objectively... <laughs> I look at myself when I'm in my kit and I just it never sits right. But I will say you you build you build the pool up. You know, big enough that there still should be a certain percentage that's that it it's appealing to, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I don't know why I'd use that as my litmus test on the the state of backcountry, but of backcountry in general, I, I would say going back to like the Boston Ski Expo, I was there. I remember in 2017, and it was a, one out of every hundred people would st- even stop to have a conversation about backcountry skiing and. That certainly changed the in 2019 when I went, and y- you know, you would be a good resource to know like what you see now at um, Snowbound. What is it called?
0: Yeah, yeah, Snowbound.
1: yeah these snow these snow expos in the epi- like the core user group is Boston for backcountry yeah. skiing, and that's a tr- that's that's a reflection of the interest, a way to gauge how hot backcountry skiing is in relation to alpine skiing.
0: Yeah, and I. I won't sit here and tell you that it's as hot as alpine skiing in any way. Like there's no way I can do it. I think more people buy setups with the maybe in their head that they may one day want to go skin up in the morning or they may decide to go for a tour or go with their buddies. I think that's especially like at the shop, that's the majority of what we sell are maybe setups. They're not like I'm going touring setups. They're like, I'm going to buy a pin boot that I can ski every day on the chairlift. I'm going to buy a shift maybe or a pair of daymakers and that's going to be my backcountry experience and I think that's how most people are getting into it now and I don't know I don't know how many of the I'd be curious to like do a poll like send out an email and be like how many of you have actually used your touring gear this year. And see what the response is on something like that would be. Because I think the number is still fairly small. Like when I go to Mount Snow or even Berkshire East. And it's a little better actually at Berkshire East than it is at Mount Snow. And just tour the resort. And there's never that many people there. Like I was, I've actually been shocked at Berkshire East to see as many as I have. But like I'm you know I see three or four people out when I'm touring at any given time. Maybe. You know like it's much less the people that have the gear use it a lot less than I think maybe the industry thinks. And I think the industry is starting to like take a turn. Like those bigger brands are starting to go, okay, like maybe this isn't a category that we're going to sell very many SKUs in. Like I've heard the reps talking about it all year. We're like, okay, backcountry and touring is, is dying. You know, like it's dying off right now. It's leveling off. But I think it's because like, these are these big brands that make kind of a generic product. And are just like, okay, let's dip our toe in the water and see what happens and see if it's this big moneymaker that everybody's talking about. And then are disappointed that it's, you know, it's not just some gold mine at the end of the rainbow.
1: I, I agree. I think also what you're seeing is uphilling at the resort gives it exposure. People get curious about it and they, they want to try it. They want to see what, what the gear is all about. What is this activity all about? This looks interesting. And that can spark something. And those people might never leave the resort. They might be totally content just getting fitness laps in. And then you got people that are going to gravitate towards the mountains and and spending their time yeah. in the true backcountry. And that's like another demographic. Um, yeah. But to say, yeah, the growth and the reaction of it from brands, it's, well, yeah, it, it makes sense with these brands that put out million different skews and and are just flooding the market importing you know the us importing a ton of touring gear from from europe trying to figure it all out i mean i we're all figuring it out all the ski yeah. shops are trying to trying to be like is this normal is this going to level out what should what does the customer want what do we want to sell what do we like and we're just on the fly sorting it out ourselves too it's it's pretty confusing at times you know right now we're putting in all our orders for next year and you know, we're pretty good on skis. We don't need a ton of skis, but I'm also yeah. not, you know, I know in the long haul we'll continue to sell stuff, but things on our end have stayed pretty level. And that's one part, just our capacity to move skis, rent skis, uh, yeah. market, which is fine. Like that's, I don't feel like we need to explode, but I think as an industry we need to be flexible that we're going to have some of these slower years some big years there's going to be brands that are going to yeah like you said duck out and maybe reduce their footprint in this category and i don't know i think that's where it's going to go for the next several years is it's just gonna you know there's always going to be the brands that want to innovate and some brands will just sit and work with like renaming their popular skis a, a touring version and 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 stay with their keep their loyal customers and, and go that direction
0: yeah yeah, I, and there hasn't been a lot of super impressive touring product to come from a lot of these bigger brands. And I think, if anything, it's been less than exciting for for some of them. But I'm, I'm curious to see how the next couple of years go. I'm curious to see how things like, I don't know, the shift being fixed four years too late, you know, fixed in air quotes, four years too late, like if that has an impact, like if people are like, okay, let me actually do this. You know, my buddy told me it was a piece of shit four years ago, and now I'm going to look at it again. Like I don't know. Like it's it's a very difficult thing because I think the biggest area for growth is still in that crossover category. Oh yeah, because not everybody goes and buys two setups or three setups. They go and they buy a dedicated everyday like workhorse. Like that's what most people do, and they do that once every ten years, maybe.
1: Yeah, and I think that. People that know they like that they're gonna want to get into the sport that they're gonna like it go all in. That's sort of that's how I approach it, and that's how I watch other people get into it. Where you try to convince someone to rent it, and maybe they rent it once, but other people might just bypass that and say, "No, that this is for me. I could tell. I can tell I'm gonna love this." And we get those we get those customers that they're just. They know they're going to like it and move on.
0: You guys also breed sociopaths. Like this is like the type of customer that you guys, you guys have just sickos for a customer base. Like where a lot of shops do not have this and you've built this, you did this. This is on you like a hundred percent, like for creating that space for these people to go. And like they go to you because they trust you, you do it at a high enough level where they're like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He should be able to help me get a setup. And like, they want to give you that support in that business. And I think that is a thing. Not a lot of shops have a category where they're like, we crush ski racing. We crush skimo. We like that. That's not what most ski shops are. Most ski shops are like, we're going to do whatever the town allows us to do. Uh,
1: I guess. Yeah, of course. I I would want to go to a bike shop and go, where everyone there just gets out. Doesn't matter how good they are, but they're the ones that are involved in the community. You know, like that's those are the shops I want to go to. They're experts in their craft and they walk the walk. And I think that's something that I've always aspired to be. Is at the 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 core of this, I want to ski as much as possible. And I know that that's not always possible. That you know, life gets in the way, work gets in the way sometimes. But I will gladly let. Work slip if that means I get to get out and ski. And I think that yeah. people hopefully recognize that as like, that's part of the you need both. That's how you keep the excitement alive. And, and that's how you can re- really talk to customers and tell them what's up with the gear they're getting. You need to like constantly re- yeah. recalibrate what you're talking about. It just gets obnoxious talking to customers about specs all day when you just can't even remember what it's like to ski the ski because it's been a month or something so I always love to get out and make it a point to just get out on the gear refresh my my mind and my mental clarity and then I can come back feeling much better being in the shop and then talking talking to customers and then yeah I I think that being a a specialized ski shop it's like it's tough you gotta invest a lot in trying to this moving target of picking the best brands and the best gear and then selling it and telling people why it's important. It's hard to do. It's a lot, the, the ski shop world, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. And, uh, it flies, sometimes it flies by and other times it's like hitting your head against a wall.
0: I'm shocked that, and I've told you this before, I think like you ski more than any other ski shop owner that I know. Like, I don't think like people don't ski shop owners and ski shop guys in general. You would think get out all the time, but they really don't. It's like the busy times are when the skiing is good and when everybody's skiing. So like you're in the shop, like you're trying to make that time. And then like sometimes, like I still do it. Like I've said it a million times. Like I leave the shop and I'm like, the last thing I want to think about is fucking skiing right now. It's like my my girlfriend brings it up all the time. She's like, you don't like just want to talk about skiing or think about skiing. I'm like, no, dude, like the last thing on earth that I want to do some days is think about or talk about skiing after being on the internet, looking at skiing all day, posting about skiing, fitting skis, fitting boots. Like this is like, not, it's a very difficult thing, not just physically to go out and like get after it, but like it's, it's hard to make yourself want to sometimes. And I, I give you all the credit in the world for like actually going out and doing it as much as you do. Yeah.
1: I I think I'm like most, a lot of people when, December hits it's hard to motivate to get out when the days are short yeah the weather might not be in your favor and it's just so much easier to maybe grab a beer and hang out and be warm and cozy but um no there's that again the draw and getting out capitalizing in these little windows to get the best skiing possible and catch some beautiful moments in the mountains it's it hasn't changed and that's like something that I, I was afraid might change over time is that my you know my passion and desire to get out and be super active in, in this category would, would slow down, but I just I can't get enough of it. I mean I living 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 where we live. I mean we're so fortunate where that's a yeah it's the accessibility is so so massive and the amount of sports and activities we can do. And we yeah, we have our fair share of just crap days. But man, I would yeah. I would rather spend my crap days here than I don't know somewhere else chasing, either chasing like business stuff or, uh, be living somewhere else. I, I just came back from kicking horse from a trip with Hillary and it was so much fun and I love getting perspective on, on the area that I grew up in and, and experiencing new, new places and trying to learn more, push my comfort zone in some of this, this other terrain, but I always come back here completely excited. And I'm like, I'm checking social media and seeing that the, I, I flew out last, and a couple of weeks ago and we got snow again. And then I'm seeing everyone skiing up high, having fun. And man, I was, it made, it made me happy. And it also made me bummed to miss, to be missing out. And it just feels so mm-hmm. relevant to my life and where I want to be. And, uh, I, and don't get me wrong, the powder and everything up in British Columbia, Rogers Pass and Banff and Lake Louise area, it's no joke and incredible and and just exactly probably where I want to be and spend a lot of my vacation time. Uh, but, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little jealous of people <laughs> playing and playing in the high Alpine and back here, which is a little crazy.
0: it's it's funny. I just talked to Berkowitz about this exact like phenomenon, like a few weeks ago, like where we leave home and it's been bad. And you leave home and immediately there's snow and like conditions turn on and everything's good. Like while you're and then you come back and like everything's just like set in and normal again. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is the point of leaving? Like, why do I leave? Like, do I leave so everybody else gets it? Sacrifice. Yeah, I guess so. It's, uh, we're doing, uh, doing the Lord's work. Um, let me ask you about the worst idea for an event ever, um, while also being the best idea for an event ever, in last year's standing, uh, that is next week. Um, which I am kind of cringing at, um, what, what is this event for people who are unfamiliar? What is different in this year's format? What are people, what can people expect out of this, uh, this absolute gong show of an event? Um, very, it's like, it's my favorite event of the year, by the way, but it's also like, I don't know how to explain it to people in a good way, so I'm curious to hear how you explain it to people.
1: It, last year standing, it's, it's sneaking up real quick. I think it's eight days away. Uh, and it's, it's the, yeah, it's a horrible idea that was uh, feedback from one of our other Backyard Ultras, Bubba, Bubba's Backyard Ultra. And after the inaugural year, I think, Jed Wilbur always gets the credit for this. And a survey form said, why not do this backyard ultra format on skis? And it just took a couple people to say, yeah, that's a great idea. And we, we went from there and, and man, I've been blown away by how, how much fun it is, especially something that I didn't think was gonna really take off or have any interest really exploded. And I think it's just, it taps into everything we've been talking about in this fun, crazy, weird sport we do—backcountry skiing—and it pulls in all these lunatics that love doing this sort of thing. And it, and the style and the format allows allows it, you know, every age, ability, uh, all these different disciplines to all congregate on one hill, same trail, hour after hour. So you do one lap every hour. You can't start the next lap till the next hour until there's one person left and it's simple as that. And I think there's beauty in the simplicity, there's beauty in, uh, people pushing themselves and reaching PRs and having all these, their own personal goals and having a team behind them or just volunteers, helping them out, accomplish goals. And I I've just been, yeah, every year it's a, it's my highlight as well. It's Monty's highlight. We get to hang out, help people keep, keep doing one more lap and then just see what happens. Cause every year you don't know who's going to show up, but you just know that people are going to push themselves probably further than they've ever done before. And you're giving them the space to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an insane thing. Let me, and I've asked you this, I'm sure a hundred times, what has been the consensus best approach to being successful for Other than having some sort of mental illness, what is the like what what is the best approach to winning an event like this or going as long as you can? And I think like. It's extremely difficult and it is very long, but I think the the hardest thing to me, like looking at it from the outside is the fact that you're just looking at the same lap over and over and over again you're not even looking at a whole lap you're just looking at the bottoms of your skis for the entirety of the or the tops of your skis for the entirety of the time and i I just don't understand what the right approach is to this event i think you're asking the right question
1: is why like why are you doing this why are you here and if you don't have a good answer for that you're not probably not going to last long when it starts getting difficult i think the finishers in this event just they knew why they were there and it's a mental game first and foremost is you need to be you need to have a reason to do another lap and that's something i can't answer i've never finished one of
0: these things uh, yeah why don't you do this by the way
1: i just you know i would i'm not counting out that i will never do it i i would love to i, I think that there's a few more moving parts here than in the running format which I've done because I Mm. I really wanted to see what it was all about. And I, I figured out, I learned all about it, how, (laughs) how tough some of those night laps are and how rewarding some of those later laps are when you're just there with a few other people and it's you guys keeping this event afloat and running further than I'd ever run before, you know, applied on skis. I don't know that I love ski boots as much. As the next person, I get cold really easily. Uh, mm. I don't know the the overnight stuff, the multiple nights is crazy. And I think that's another strength is just being able to weather the night to take care of yourself, to not get bummed out on those low moments. It's just like a long time to be up. And I think the people that do really yeah. well are, oh, they they tap into this super, like super skill of being able to stay up for multiple days, which let alone doing like a thousand vertical feet every hour at least or you know 1200 feet at this this mountain and it's so impressive it, it just sneaks up on you because now you're just managing you you have to manage all this time that you're required to be at a certain place certain time over and over again with this physical activity with sleep deprivation uh and i don't know everyone every year i get surprised by how many people make it tonight how many people make it to the next morning who's left and everyone's just
0: really positive, and that environment I think that's we- what makes me more upset than everything. <laughs> like, like genuinely. i I actually like the fact that people are like happy doing this is like is an insane thing.
1: All right, let's be honest. What year did you do it? Did you do it the first year? 'Cause yeah. you, you were happy. You had a you had a smile. I on your had a
0: great face. time, but I had no intention of going very long. I had no intention of pushing that hard. I drove up that morning and I drove back that night. Like it wasn't like and let me tell you, I'm saying this, like I was like, Oh, I could do so much long. I remember being dead after doing six laps of whatever it was, eight hundred vert or a thousand vert, whatever the laps were at that point. I remember being dead then, and I, I was happy, but I also quit when I chose to quit. Like, I was like, this is my, I didn't push myself very hard, and I still was exhausted. And the next day, I was a lot less happy. <laughs> like, for for real. Like, it's just like, I've never, I, I don't know, there was just no, my motivation was very different for being there. I was like, okay, like, let me see what kind of shape I'm in. Let me see what I could do this, like, off the couch see what I can do and at six I was like I gotta drive home at some point like I'm
1: you know that I'm the, pretty tired that's the unfortunate reality for a lot of people that have these logistics of needing to leave at a certain time and can't stay and you know there's a couple of people last year that could have gone way deeper but they they were stuck driving home or responsible for families and work and all the other things but
0: If you need a new bag, go to Deuter.com. If you are shopping for a new pack for the backcountry, for riding your bicycle, for a big overnight trip that you have, there is no better place to go than Deuter. And these guys have, like, the the nicest bags in the entire world, including the FreeRider 34, which is what I use more often than not. It is my, like, daily go-to pack. It is probably the pack that I will use um, during an event like Last year Standing, if I opt to use a pack at all. Um, it is, it's just got everything that you need at, like, literally in arm's reach. So, uh, very easy ski carry system, very easy goggle storage, very easy access to the bottom of your pack, which is one of the most frustrating things in the entire world when you don't have access to the bottom of your pack. Like you're stuffing all this stuff in there, and you can't access half of the stuff without taking everything out. That's not an issue with Deuter packs. So go to d e u t e r dot com right now and get yourself a new bag. And if you have any questions as far as what bag you should be buying, hit me up. As
1: this event evolves and people get more experience and really see what it's all about, and we adjust and adapt. You know, we start. We're starting this event on a Friday that makes it a little more a little easier for people's logistics to go hopefully a little deeper. But, um, what we can offer for support and advice and help people. But I don't know, I think it's, it's a little bit of this, it's a cool little community where, you know, if you're in it, you're sort of in this class of whatever for the last year standing. So class of 2024 and these really good friendships are going to be made between the crew, the participants, the volunteers everyone involved the mountain and just leave you leave that event and you can't help but feel good about what went down cuz you got to you got yeah, to be part of it for sure
0: yeah and i think for the people that actually like unlike me actually push themselves to this level where they're like okay i really pushed myself they also leave with a little extra satisfaction that like they actually went as hard as they could and i think this is one of those events that people genuinely go as hard as they can and because it's not, like, a speed format, I think it invites that, like, psychopath kind of energy where people are like, I'm just going to go until I like can't move my feet anymore. Like, And I think that there is something really cool about that aspect of it. And I think that that's what makes it so accessible and so fun for people that are involved. Yeah, the other thing is that you
1: don't have to win it to have a blast. And I think that was my problem was always a super competitive mentality of the overall race where, no, you could just do, you know, you've, have this goal of 10 laps, have this goal of X amount of vertical and still have a really satisfying experience. Now, most people, when they, they do tap out, wish they did another lap. So I know we've we've talked about that and well, I don't know, I think that every year you're getting people that are leaving more satisfied because they've done everything they can in preparation. Whereas the, the first years of doing, doing this, we had no clue what was going on now people are training, they're working with their like nutrition, they're working with their crew. It's just, it's evolving. And I think there's no reason this year that the race shouldn't go just as far and we shouldn't have, you know, we're going to have ringers coming from out of state. There's going to be people that we're just not familiar with, and there's going to be names that we're very familiar with that are going to be in the mix. And I think that that all combines to make for a really fun weekend.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's like I said, it's my favorite event of the year. Every year it's uh it's going to be a blast. So as as usual, I need a prediction. Um what how long does this thing go? How many laps does this Is the course harder than it was like what what is the difficulty level of this course, I guess before we before we get into the actual predictions. Like are we saying this is harder than black one? From is it harder than
1: it's different, you know. I, I would say it's it's more vertical, but less punchy of a course, and better, you know, more snow making, better maintained. But the problem is, you know, you look at the forecast and you get these really warm daytime temps followed by really cold nighttime temps. Like I'm looking at Rumford, Maine, and I'm seeing highs of in the high 30s and lows in the single digits, and that's just a recipe for just slick and, and like really frustrating conditions. <laughs> you know luckily black mountain and maine will hopefully roll out the groomer as soon as it gets dark and things ice up but it's still not going to fix everything and those conditions that's yeah. that temperature swing just makes for really challenging skinning conditions and the ski hill though the, the trail that it goes down to Alagash, it's it's great you know it's pretty flowy i think mm-hmm. uh you know you got to be careful of some like the fall away and stuff but i think the general consensus was that people really enjoyed the mountain they enjoyed the hill they found that it it was pretty felt shorter than it was you know and uh you know Hmm. but it's you know every year the weather is a huge variable it's its own main character whether it's wind or cold or snow and we've had to deal with something every year this it's a little far out to tell but right now it's it's Not looking like anything crazy, anything that we haven't
0: seen before, okay. Good. I uh, yeah, I remember like the last year at Black New Hampshire with Brody. Like, I remember doing a lap with him on day three or whatever with <laughs> you as well. And it was like that course was fucking heinous. Oh, that like by that point, like it was iced over and
1: pretty. And then, oh, yeah, the mogul field with the boot pack. I mean, it was it was horrifying very
0: like i was like scary. having a hard time fresh like i was genuinely having a hard time fresh where i'm like where do i put my feet and then, and then i'm looking up at brody who's whatever 50 hours in at that point and he's just like in the zone like he just knows where his feet go he just knows where to put them down and he just keeps going
1: it was it was pretty unnerving watching watching him and i felt you know i felt different last year than the year with brody where i was really concerned about Ben and, and Brody and their mental wherewithal of how they were doing at the night on the nighttime (laughs) laps and watching sparks fly off their skis on some of the, the terrain up there that was pretty light on coverage on the corner of upper black beauty. And then last year, I didn't feel that last year I didn't, the, um, Brent and Danny that were the last ones left and I was watching them and they felt felt like they were totally in control and with it, you know, and going pretty, you know, Mm. almost equally as deep. And I hope that, you know, that's, I want this to be a very self-selecting activity event where people, they'd realize, all right, I, I'm not quite there mentally or I'm physically pretty fatigued, I should call it. Because yeah, no one, we don't want anyone getting injured or hurt, making any bad decisions. And that's like, that's such a hard thing as a race director to want to push people to the max but also like preserve you know the safety in the event in general
0: yeah no for sure and I think like Ben was saying that year it was like it when it was him and Brody he was saying it wasn't even the uphill that was the problem for him It was like it was the downhill he was like being like conscious and aware on the downhill was the reason I stopped more than anything else which is a hilarious thing to say by the way after being in it for 64 hours
1: yeah well it was it was yeah Legs just getting tired for the downhill, you know. It's yeah, a lot. A, yeah, but not the uphill. Uphill is just like that. Math doesn't make sense, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I agree.
0: What's the prediction this year?
1: Oh, I, I think it should. I think the field is deeper. If we look at numbers, we should have at least, you know, twelve to fifteen more people at the start line. And then I think the people that are here mostly want to be here, but the pool of participants just feels like it feels like it's going to go further. Um, not to say that you know Ben Eck is not in it, but he'll be crewing some friends. And Danny Romano is not in it; he'll be there crewing some friends. I know Brent Underkofler is coming back, and then I just see a ton of ton of other names of just pe- like crazy people that are going to push it. Um, both on the men's field and the women's field, so um, it's a little early for me to be doing my my predictions, but I was pretty excited to see, definitely to see some some names pop up this year. And I think, um, let's see if I can pull up some participants here. But on the you know on the men's side, Justin Lagasse. He's, he's crazy. We are talking about him today, that he's a phenomenal endurance athlete up here in Maine and mountain bikes and does some of the schemo stuff. And uh, Alyssa Clark's coming in, um, I believe. She's still signed up. There's people from out of town and they're the ones that I'm like, all right, are these, are these going to be the people that throw down? Uh, and Hillary's coming back to defend her title, but most importantly, have a really good time. I think she's she's <laughs> she's so competitive. I mean, she'll say she's not, but she's crazy competitive. Yeah, she a hundred percent is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to trying to pull up. My 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 computer's not working. Well, you can you can tune into my podcasts that will be out. <laughs> now, uh, Alyssa Clark. So she's just crazy she had the record for most consecutive marathons. She's won like insane hundred miler plus ultra marathons. Go look on her ultra sign up. do yourself a favor and it'll make you feel really lazy. Uh, We've got Avery (laughs) Collins supposedly coming out and he's another professional ultra runner. It'll be really interesting to see how that translates and what their ski, sorry, what their ski background is. And you obviously don't have to be a great skier. It's a lot of just everything we talked about being confident in your gear, confident in your nutrition, having a plan. Uh, And those were, those were like just some of the, the kind of the quick, quick names that, that uh, came to mind, but you're going to have to uh, tune into the podcast when I figure out really who we'll go through, like usually go through like our top 10 picks. So you're not giving me a number? No, I'll give you a number. I mean, I think, I think we could go into that third sunrise. So what would that be? You, you can do the math. If that gets into 70 something hours. You think we're gonna go to seven? I think if the conditions allow, there's no reason this doesn't go to the, the sunrise. I, they pick these weird <laughs> little carrots to, to to go for. And I feel that I was partially responsible last year that Brent, I couldn't convince to keep going to help reset the record. If he had just gone for two more laps, it would have enabled Danny to go for a third lap or something and at least tie Brody's record or something. But I know it's a different mountain, different year, but still I, I, I just- record is 65 I still. just think that we could have pushed, not pushed, but just given some incentive.
0: Nudged. Yeah, nudged a little. Why, what do you think? Um, oh, I was gonna say less. I was gonna say like fifty nine. It's one of my like I would have said late fifties, early sixties. It'll be based on nothing other than a feeling. Well, you weren't even there last year, so you don't even know what you're talking about. I think I have no idea what I'm talking. I have no, I have no clue. I'm curious to see how many I can do. I'm guessing I do three, but I would like to do ten. <laughs> that would be cool. We'll help you get there. I'm sure you will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do what I can. I'm. I'm more curious about the core. I haven't. I've been very lazy. Like I'm doing this off the couch. Like I have been a real piece of shit lately. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. So I feel like I'm doing a little bit of a disservice to the other participants. But I will not. I will not quit first. I will promise that I will not quit first. But I cannot see myself going longer than who's that. crewing you. Me. So you don't have a team? You're not no. dragging you're not Christian from Fisher, not- maybe?
1: Well he's participating. <laughs> so is he pulling you? So you're gonna leech so- off his crew. Wait, he's he's I in think it?
0: So yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I'll go for a lot longer if I'm just skiing with Christian the whole time. Uh, Christian's so positive. It's like I could just like listen to Christian be happy for a while. I don't know if I can do it for longer than ten hours, but I can definitely Yeah. I will definitely leech. I have no Perfect. crew. Are you all kidding right. me? Well you and Christian are teaming up
1: and then we'll we'll recruit yep. you for whatever you need. That's what we're good for.
0: Okay. Perfect. Yeah, that's my that's my plan. So um yeah. All right. Ten laps. That's my that's my me prediction. All right. So pencil that one in. Pencil that one in. Um all right. Um one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was the whole situation that happened with the name change around ski the whites to white pound ski company i was hesitant to even talk about it um but I, I think it's worth talking about people have asked a number of times they have a lot of questions so i i'm very curious to hear from your perspective what went down what happened goods bads and otherwise like so what what is the whole story for people that are on it yeah
1: i mean short story is that my my name ski the whites conflicted with their trade name ski the east and and in the business world there's not much you can do about that if they can cite some instances of confusion then they can take legal action and and change your name if you're in you know similar demographics similar geographic region and uh that's sort of the the nature of the the story and and if we go back to the origin of ski the whites and how i got into this and it was um originally in 2015 i started a blog and when i opened up my account with fisher i needed a name and so that 2015 when i started a blog i thought i'll oh, ski the whites because there's a hike the whites this will i don't know drive traffic on skiing in the white mountains and just lazy kind of lazy but registering ski the whites as my business trade name in 2016 um you know with my lawyer and the feedback and everything no one was like oh you're just you're ripping off ski the east or it's going to be confusing with ski the east and whatever it just kind of started there and of course being smaller like there wasn't going to be much conflict because that was a, just starting but you know the next year in 2017, I moved into Black Mountain. I went to the Boston Ski Expo. I was starting to get published in media. 2018, another year of um, Friday Night Lights. Got into running, more exposure. 2019, um, yeah, going into my third season at Black Mountain. And at that point, you know, I was still I was doing retail, but mostly rentals and the events. But and then being very present on social media with. Instagram, with YouTube. And at that point, the owners of Ski the East reached out and said, Hey, we love what you're doing, but you just got to change your name. And I said, okay. I remember vividly, I was setting up for the blackout 5k, 10k that year. And on this phone call with them and I was like, yeah, well, of course, like I'll, I'll think about it and I'll get back to you. And you know, this isn't an area of expertise. I never would have picked a name that I thought was going to be conflicting with any other business. And, Mm -hmm. and I talked to my lawyer and some other friends and they're like yeah you you know do what you think makes sense but like i want to ask for like expert legal advice to make sure i'm making the right decision and so i'm like yeah i don't see it the way you guys see it you know they provided some one instance of confusion that was like really seemed like nothing to me where someone had screamed
0: so yeah was it at the was it the one from the boston ski expo someone coming up to them at the
1: no 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 it was someone screenshotted someone took a screenshot of um ski the whites instagram or something and dm'd i think their social person asking like where this was taken and i don't know i i mean i there's gonna be i'm gonna have to say like alleged all this stuff because whatever it's the legal world but anyway so as soon as my tone changed and i said yeah i'm not not really interested in changing my name they got pretty upset and they said you copied us our fonts the same this and that and i was like well it's Everything's super generic. We're in the same sphere. If you really zoom out, yeah, we're the same company. We're a ski, we're in the ski industry involved in media, involved in events, involved in sticker selling, like, you know, t-shirts. It's like, it's yeah. pretty, when you zoom way out, you can say anything's the same, but also being geographically close. And I mean, they have a point, like the bigger anyone grows, the more in your face it's gonna be. And I think that that's what happened with me as I grew it was just becoming more apparent that there's potential for, potential for instances of confusion. Um, and there were, there were some dumb stuff, but it was, again, really things that I didn't think was that significant, but you know, that's their call and that's what they, they, they were willing to die on the name. And, and I, I just thought that the, you know, there were, there were ways we could have coexisted. They could have licensed the name. They could have, um, had some kind of, guidelines as to how to coexist like I couldn't open up a shop I can't sell t-shirts there's this stuff that we could have done but it just wasn't they were not willing to do it and they were very clear with their lawyer you know they they that um corporate trademark lawyer former under armour global trademark lawyer on our really just reminding us every time we spoke that he worked for under armour global and you know he, this was his dream it was like it seemed like bearing us in litigation and paperwork and you know, I could have spent money, I could have fought it, could have lost, could have won. It doesn't really matter, but it was going to cost a ton of money to fight it. And I pushed as far as I could and, and, you know, I thought it made sense and everything I said in my statement still rings true. Like I have no ill will towards them. It's just is what it is. I wish there was a better resolution. I thought that, um, we could have potentially worked something out and, you know, I let other people guide me through this process, but the my gut was like, Hey, we're different. We're different companies. We can coexist. And, um, that's sort of how I, I still feel, but me and after four years of this, it, you know, asked me how it feels to, with the name change. And it's like, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a bummer. I wish, you know, ski, the whites was great. And it was another generic name that I, you know, gained a lot of meaning throughout my, the time I built the business and, all the people I met along the way, but uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And this is what, um, Chris and Jeff said. he's like, yeah, your name, like, doesn't matter what you do, you're going to be fine. And I feel the same way about them is like, they're going to be fine too. they are circles are far enough apart that they're going to continue to have a ton of success and they're super successful now. And, and same with me. Like, I think that as long as we keep doing a good job at what we do, we're, we're going to be fine. And yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's just a bummer
0: yeah yeah. I think the whole the way that it played out felt like a bummer I feel like my whole thing was like it didn't really have to happen this way like arguing whether it's like the same or close or not is kind of pointless you know because like it doesn't I don't know it just doesn't make sense to like have that argument necessarily because I don't think they're the same like at all like I don't think they're even close to the same like one sells screen printed teas and beer mugs and one is a ski shop but you know what i mean like it's very like you can water it down to whatever you want and it just doesn't it doesn't feel the same to me but i don't like someone else could look at it like you said from a very far away lens and go okay like yeah they're they're very similar no but i don't think you should be able to own ski though no no
1: and it's not it's that seems it's not fair to them to to say that they just print t-shirts because they do events and they've done a ton of media and, and stuff. And like, you know, I missed the whole Ski the East thing on the East coast. I moved out to California in 2005 and didn't move back until 2014. So I, I was gone for this whole transition they had from Meatheads and pretty, not again, not in my wheelhouse, not in my sphere, my friend, like never been on the site. And, um, but I loved what like Ben Leone was doing with working for the weekends. And that was like, for me that, I don't know, I didn't really make that connection back then, but um, I think that was super cool that they were able to like get that series out there because that was, you know, it's it'd be hard to say that wasn't inspiring to to watch some people skiing in the White Mountains, ripping around in zones. You're like, oh, where's that? Trying to, you know, anything in Tucker Mervine or in some of the other slides. and. And so they help facilitate some of that. So like, I don't want to say that they're just like printing t-shirts, like super successful and such a cool, like for them, a, a, a slogan that's been around long before they ever trademarked it. But, um, you know, ski, the white mountains was a trademark trade group in the nineties, you know, that's been around too. And it's just like, man, it just, it's a, it's a bummer that there wasn't a way to coexist.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I guess you're right. Like they, they definitely done stuff and I'm not, I don't know. I I just, I have, I feel like a personal connection to this and to you and the team there where I'm like, okay, anything they do now, I'm like, okay, big red X, like, I don't want to deal with anything. Like, I don't want anything to do. Like it feels sour to me. So to hear you being so nice about it makes me feel a little better about this whole situation, even though I know it is probably somewhat difficult but it is I don't know it's just it's just a lot man like it's a weird it's a weird thing to do in the ski industry when everybody is supposed to be so tight-knit and so like like all together we all do the same thing we're all just kind of trying to like keep our businesses running the same way that they do and try to make them successful as much as we can and I think like it's It was just interesting to me to read some of their responses too, where they're like, yeah, we're just like a couple of college ski bums, like starting a brand. Like this is, you know, this is what we are. And this is like, this was the response after the fact. Yeah. And they said, and I'm like, it just,
1: they, they dropped that on me a couple of times too. And I'm like, no, you guys are like, you're not in your parents' basement anymore. You're, you know, you registered a trademark. You got to defend it. You got to be responsible. And, my take on it was just like, Hey, you guys knew about me a while ago. And if you, you should have had some counsel to say like, Hey, this name, regardless of what I do is pretty similar in their mind to what they're doing, then like should have notified me a long, long time ago. I mean, I even heard, and I don't even know if this is, this is what I heard from the owner of Drum and Ski Shop. I mean, think about the name change and like trying to pick a, a new name and like I'm kind of screwed. I live in Jackson, New Hampshire. There's Jackson Hole, and you know there's a million Jackson backcountry Jackson touring. I mean, there's Jackson ski touring down the road. But then there's like I can't even do Drummond Ski Shop if I wanted to because that exists no relation uh, to to Jim Drummond. <laughs> same name as my dad. If you want to throw in another layer of confusion, in fact, uh, he owned um, ride the East trademark. And to like throw to make really? things super confusing, he owned Ride the East and sold it to Ski the East. And I think he was distributing clothing for them, and they got pretty upset that he had Ride the East trademarked and you know, he sold it to them. And I don't know the how that all went down, but I don't think it was super amicable. but uh, they said at the time, and we don't like what your son is doing either thinking that I was his son. And this was like, no way. Was in like 2018. And this is what I heard. So this is from Jim Drummond, not my father in a phone conversation. So <laughs> anyways, it's all silly. And it's like, man, if you didn't like what I was doing in 2018, just give me a call. Like I would have probably been way more prone, yeah. to, prone to change or like be agreeable. But it's like, man, I still feel that the business was where it was in 2019 is like very similar feeling i have now like it's pretty established yeah
0: yeah no i i agree and i i think it's uh, the i i think somehow they ended up taking the short end of the stick still like you know like at the end of this because like they kind of made themselves in the public eye look not all that great by doing something like this they literally did backcountry.com all over again just in 2023, it's like the same thing like when backcountry.com sued marquette backcountry it's like it you're in the same it, it's in the same scenario in a way and it's just i don't know it just doesn't it's not a good look no matter what and i like i said i i actually have no ill will towards those guys either like i have no i hope that everything works out i hope they keep doing whatever they're doing and and make it work for them but it's it's just weird. It feels slimy. It feels very corporate and very dirty. Like you said, like I was saying before, everything's fine. They're going to be
1: continue to be super successful and I'm fine. And I, I think that it was pretty, the big takeaway that I don't think I needed was the reassurance that my customers and my community support what we do. You know, I didn't really need people to come out and battle and fight for me or bash them. It was just like, it was nice. It's just nice to know that you've got a community and that part really hit home um and the transition was like exactly how i thought it was going to pan out in terms of okay monday rolls around it's sort of old news people still bring it up people are going to continue to bring it up but it doesn't bother me like i have a million other things going on to worry about than how people feel about a name um and yeah you know white mountain ski co will be fine you know it was Like the backstory behind that was that they were super flexible about letting me extend this deadline. Like I basically signed an agreement with them that I was going to change my name in September. And I was like, I haven't even like, I've thought of a name, trying to think of a name that hasn't been taken, that has meaning, that's going to be suitable is so hard. You know, I think Mm -hmm. about, think about like just that brainstorming, picking logos, all the. All the things that go into a business is like, man, it's frustrating sometimes. And, and, uh, but yeah, nothing came out, nothing stuck. And so I was like, I needed more time. I just don't have a name. So we pushed the deadline to like December 1st. And man, I was up the last day of November registering domain, trying to get things cleared with, with my lawyer. And it just, it sucks. It's like, yeah, nothing's going to feel the same. But in a really saturated, market where you don't want to you don't want to step on toes again it's just like yeah right here's another here's another name that will kind of we'll see hopefully it continues on and if i have to change my name again which i really hope not i'll I'll do that but again it, this is this is <laughs> this is all just trying to be rational and make adult decisions based on gut inst- gut you know your gut feeling and what professionals are telling you
0: yeah yeah i think you've handled this whole thing as well as anybody could i'm i'm super super impressed with the way that this is all rolled out and the way that you've handled it at least in like the public eye like i think that this is it hasn't done anything except help the business for white mountains kiko and help the perception of you guys and i think like seeing the community come out like that is also a really cool thing. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be bashing anybody else to get that done or to see that, but like that's got to be a good feeling to have that support.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's years where you're dealing with people one-on-one. It's human-to-human interaction where you're you're connecting with everyone that comes through your shop or at your events or online, and it's it's awesome. It's I can't think of like a better spot to be in where this is what makes us all fun. Retail is not glamorous, but meeting people, no, meeting people and feeling a sense of belonging is like what makes it all worth it. And if you can help people's lives and share all these fun things that you get to do with other people and, and get them out the door, then yeah, it's, it makes those days grinding in the shop, mounting skis, uh, all that more enjoyable. For sure.
0: Awesome. Um, well, I won't harp on this too, too much more. I, I think this is a, I think it's a good thing. And I hope that if that ever happens to them, I hope that they get the same support that you did in this scenario. Like, you know, I think it's, it's, it's an awesome thing to see the community come out um, and support you guys. And, and I think they would have name change, no name change. I think they just like what you've created, like the team and like what you guys do. Yeah. I got to
1: give a shout out to the people involved and everyone that helps at the shop, because it's not just me. It's, it wasn't, didn't take long before I had, um, intern Tim or Monty or, um, Ryan, Jake Inger was in there for a bit and Chris Wilkie and Spencer. And I got, yeah, I said, Ryan, I think Greg, I got Amanda. It's just like, it's so cool that people want to come and help out and be part of the, part of the team and part of the part of the events and what we do and it's uh yeah i could I, I can only do so much on my own and then uh to have all the support right here in house and hillary too but uh it's
0: i was gonna mention that one no i wasn't gonna
1: i wasn't <laughs> gonna forget her no she's a busy entrepreneur herself so but no it's yeah she's got you know i think traditional ski shops it's really hard and i it's, sometimes it feels like When I go into some of these, I haven't been to ski shops in a while, but sometimes, you know, ski shops where like, yeah, there's people that have been there forever. They're a team and they're experts in what they do. And that's awesome. And that's like, that's all I can aspire to have
0: here. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, where can people find the new website? Where can people find you on the internet? Where can people get all the information that they need to know? And where can people reach out and become part of this?
1: Yeah, White Mountain Ski Co. I think you search that. That brings you brings you everywhere. We're trying try to get um, try to be a resource. So if you guys, anyone coming to this area want want to get out and ski and know where to go, just give give us a call. Like, it's crazy how dynamic and the the conditions are here and how out of touch you feel as soon as you leave the zip code it's it's crazy but it's true um we have last year standing coming up uh this this next weekend uh, i want to just plug granite backcountry alliance if you want to get involved in the community up here that's a awesome organization they've got mount washington backcountry fest and it's a bummer it's the same same weekend that we have last year standing but turns out to be a great weekend to ski. We've had it for Mm. every, every week from, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how five, three years on this weekend, or if it was four or five years, but anyway, Mount Washington Backcountry ski fest that's happening. And that's, that's part of um, Senate mountain guides. So it's an great opportunity to get in a clinic, get in a course, meet people, further your education, get some experience here. Um, some great speakers potentially and and then uh wild corn is the other event we're partnered with them on and that's the end of the year one and that's a blast that's early april april 5th or something this year another and that's at king pine another great opportunity to get out get on some gear hear some great music meets meet some people we've got a little schema race it's the crowd spectator favorite uh and uh yeah that's it I just hope to get out and get out and ski more so That's all I got. Awesome. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam.